0: Upworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Hello everybody and welcome back to Upworthy Weekly. My name is Todd Perry, a staff writer here at Upworthy. And with me is the wonderful Allison Rosen, you know her from. The show Allison Rosen is your new best friend, as well as childish with comedian Greg Fitzsimmons. So on today's show, we're going to go over some of Upworthy's most popular and engaging stories from this week, which is March 14th to 18th. But before we get into that, uh, as obviously, Allison, you know this, but there's been some controversy on the show over the last couple weeks because some listeners uh, had a little bit of a problem with us doing a whole bunch of stories about dogs and none about cats. And the thing is, as I... Astutely pointed out, uh, a point that has not been rebuffed, refuted by anyone. People have tried. They're trying out there, but it's not happening. Um, (laughs) That cats don't do anything that's upworthy. I mean, you never hear cats... You know, going out, saving somebody from a burning building. You never hear about them protecting someone from getting hypothermia. It just doesn't happen. So we don't talk about it. So your beef shouldn't be with Joseph R. Upworthy, the founder of this site and a great American. Or with me or Allison, you should take it to your cat and talk to your cat. Get down on its level and say, hey, Fluffy, why are you not saving anybody's lives?
1: Right. We have. There's no edict that says... We won't talk about cats. We won't cover cats. We won't do videos about cats, etc. We're just—we would love to share heartwarming, the best of humanity stories about cats. In fact, make our day, cats. Save someone. Let us talk about cats. We're just waiting, waiting, waiting. Meanwhile, beagles saving their owner. Bernese Mountain dogs uh rescuing people you know it's just dog story after dog story meanwhile cats not saving people they, how is this our problem yeah
0: it's like here's the thing uh do they take a like a Maine Coon cat and put a big barrel of brandy around its neck to go save people stuck in an avalanche
1: no I haven't seen it and I'm looking
0: I know uh do you know do they, they put like a, a tabby on the back of a fire truck? To go help out? Are there uh, such thing as drug-sniffing cats saving right. us from people bringing, you know, bad stuff into the country? No, it's not happening. Mm-mm. No. So, we, you know, when we said this, people responded. But what did they respond with? I got a whole bunch of really cute cat photos sent to me <laughs> from listeners. And they're like, oh my of God. Of cats saving people? No, just sitting there. What?
1: Maybe well, the How is this refuting your point? That cats have yet to do
0: anything Upworthy. I'd say they were proving my point. Okay. But, however, comma, uh, a listener named Channon, C-H-A-N-N-E-N, wrote into Upworthy at Upworthy Weekly at Upworthy.com and sent me four email sent us four emails with videos. And there was one. There was one that had a cat kind of saving a baby that looked like it might have been looking like it was about to go over a balcony.
1: Oh, really? A baby human? A,
0: yeah, a yeah, baby this human.
1: feels newsworthy.
0: But here's what I didn't see. From the angle, I couldn't tell how high the window was. Oh. Maybe that baby was going to fall over and, and be fine. <laughs> uh, you know, so I'm going to say this. I think and if it the baby was in danger, which we do not know, and, you know, the video could have been faked anyway, but mm-hmm, if the baby right. was in danger, uh, I'm just going to say it's the exception that proves the rule. Yeah, we're
1: going to need some stakes, and we're, this needs to be something that can be repeated in a lab environment.
0: That's right. So, he- here's the deal, cat lovers. How about this? How about you take your children, position them near a balcony, <laughs>
1: I I I'm you and I are a team we are in lockstep and I'm gonna need to hear what you say before I agree with it
0: Allison why don't we get to the first news story before I get fired
1: <laughs> all right uh, I love this one Uh four single moms burn the rule book of life and buy a home together and this is by one Todd Perry Ooh. I know him I think he hates cats I think he's public enemy number 1 among cat owners and it ran on Tuesday. So, and you and I have talked about humor involving people's names I feel is like a very low form of humor and I try to avoid it. However, the two this this story involves four women and two of them their names are and I'm going to see if I can do this without looking at my piece of paper. Holly Harper and Holly Harper and Heron. No. Holly Harper and Heron Hopper. Did I get it right? Yes, Holly Harper and Heron Har- Hopper. How can they be best friends? Come on, that's amazing. I think anyway
0: they were sitting, probably sitting next to each other in school growing up.
1: You know that substitute teachers and non substitute teachers had a field day messing that up all the time. I, I wonder because if, I rem- go ahead.
0: I wonder if they had a friend named Hedda Hopper.
1: They, I, I, if not. And if Hedda Hopper is listening, get in on this friendship group, although they might be full right now. But so anyway, Holly Harper and Heron Hopper, really close friends. Uh, They had fantasized. They had always joked about one day they will live together. They were both divorced. They had experienced some losses. They both had kids. And they were like, it was a pandemic. And they were like, you know what? Let's do it. Let's move in together. Um. You know, they're both, both single, both raising kids. Let's move in together. We're such good friends. It, it'll be easier. We can raise our kids together. Um, so they uh, got online that day and they initially fantasized about moving to Vermont and living together. But they found a great place in Maryland. But the only thing was they uh, needed a couple other people to move in so that they would, you know, be able to afford this four unit place that they felt like would be ideal to live together and to raise their kids. So they posted on a neighborhood listserv, explained the situation. Uh, You know, are there are there a couple other women who would like to join in with us? And two other women who also had kids joined in. The four of them moved into this place and they are living in this uh it's sort of like a commune. They all have kids between the ages of 9 and 14. Um they it, it's a four unit building. So they each have, you know, their own kitchen, their own like they all live together. It's communal in a sense that they share, you know, household items and chores and things like that, but they all have their their separate houses, but they all play together and they share items and they share expenses. Um and it just wor- it, it's really kind of idyllic. Um, they share responsibilities. They, get, they estimate that they share about $30,000. I mean, sorry, they save about $30,000 a year on expenses. Um, and then for the kids, it's kind of a, a, a fantasy situation because not only do they have these this built-in friend group, but get this, they have a giant trampoline, a garden, a gym, a craft studio. Wow. Um, the women have named it Siren House after the mythical creature the mm-hmm. siren who uh, who has the siren cry um and then they uh have decided they want to buy another unit and open another unit and they want women to know that like whatever you dream you can do and it's just this new sort of novel unconventional family unit lifestyle way that p- that people are are deciding to live and deciding to throw the rule book away
0: I think it's pretty beautiful uh, what yeah. these women are doing but because it's all consensual and they, they it's not like they were forced into living all together because of some kind of outside circumstance. I mean obviously there's financial reasons but they came together because they liked each other, they were friends, uh, their families, you know, got they had to...
1: similar names.
0: Yeah, yeah, that probably that most importantly. Um They could marry each other and still have weird names, you know? Yes. Allison, if you had three of your female besties, could you do this? Could you live communally without men? Sisters are doing it for themselves. Could you do it?
1: Yes. I I mean, I think... I'm just trying to think. There's At different times of my life, I have been... There have been like four of us who were really tight. Right now, I'm not a member of a foursome. But then it was it was Holly and Heron to begin with. And then they pulled in Jen and Leandra. Um, yeah, I think sometimes, I, especially now because my life is so much me and my husband and our kids, I think that would be really fun. I, I can totally see the appeal of that. I need some gal pal time. Um, but of course... Because I have a mind that goes to places like this, I'm like, well, what if one of them starts dating a guy and everyone hates that guy, and oh. then it all falls apart? Oh, certainly there's some. There have to be some rules around it.
0: I I like this movie. <laughs> I like you know you have like maybe maybe you have the women from Sex in the City, you know. Oh yeah. You know, Frida and Linda and uh, Jane and uh, yes, uh, uh- I'm
1: a classic Frida. What about you? I. You strike me as a Jane.
0: I'm such a Linda. All my (laughs) most people say I'm a Linda, and it's my my shoe shoe choice. But um, the interesting thing would be in that Sex in the City movie uh, would be the moment when one of them starts dating a man and brings him in, and uh, you know whether they all bound up and, and. bind together and try to kill the man or Mm -hmm. whether he tries he has to impress all of them in order to live there and then you have the children doing terrible things like they all turn into baby's kids in order to get him out of the house and yeah i think that that would be a fun story i'd like to see
1: did you say baby's kids yeah what's that a reference to
0: uh, cartoon from like the early 90s and it was like this comedian used to have this bit called "Bebe's kids which was about he was dating a woman and she had terrible like awfully behaved children and then the guy ended up dying before before the movie came out which was kind of weird but anyway yeah it was called "Bebe's kids oh. about a guy's turning i
1: thought i thought perhaps it was a schitt's creek reference did you watch schitt's creek no okay um Well, you need to watch it. But anyway, Catherine O'Hara's character would always say baby as baby, the baby. So I thought that was a reference to that. This is becoming very, uh, a very heavy pop culture episode, and we've only just started. Um, you know, on a previous episode, we talked about best friends deciding to buy a house together and best friends deciding to be each other's life partners. And I see this as sort of a continuation of that story or a bookend of, of that story, this idea of these unconventional family units. Um, and I think it's, it's great. And I think it's beautiful, especially, I think the pandemic has made people realize that Whatever your plans are for your life, things might not go. A, things might not go as planned. B, you don't have to do things the conventional way. Maybe just follow your heart or follow your desire. And it doesn't have to be the way that we've been told it has to be. And also the housing market is insane right now. So maybe you want to buy a house, but maybe you're not you know, about to get married, why not do that with your best friend that you know you have so much fun with and, and, and get along well with? So it makes sense.
0: No, it, it does. And I like what you said, how the pandemic has kind of changed how people's perceptions of what, what they want to do and who they want to be in life. Because so I think there's a certain amount where everybody has on their back this thing where it's like, dude, I just lived through two terrible years. Now I just yeah. want to do things the way I want to do it and nobody judge me. You know? Right. Everybody's got that past going on right now. You know, Mm -hmm. whether it's people you don't want to deal with anymore. It's like, dude, I just went through all this. I don't have time for you. You know? Yeah. Uh, I just do not have time to hang out with these Bebe's kids right now. (laughs) I've got my life to get to. Um, When I...
1: When I lived in, um, so I lived in Brooklyn for, or I lived in New York for a number of years and I lived in, in Brooklyn for the last couple of years and I lived in the garden apartment of a brownstone and garden apartment is a euphemism for the basement. Although basement makes it sound like dingy and dark and it really looked out on a garden and it wasn't basementy at all. You just walked down a few steps. It was, it was a really nice place to live. So I lived in the bot on the bottom level and then above me was my, the family that was the landlord uh, and then above them was her sister and above that was her mom. So it was one different generations of one family and they all lived there and they all had dinner together every Sunday night and they had owned this brownstone forever since they were little kids. Um, And they lived in this really communal way. Uh, And the way that, that these women, Holly Harper, Heron Hopper, and Jen and Leandra Hopper Harper, uh, are all living together in this four-unit building is similar, except that they're not blood relatives.
0: Okay, similar to yeah. this
1: multi—you know, th- there. This is a tradition of multiple generations of families living together in one building and sharing the duties of taking care of kids and of cooking and all this stuff. That's what I'm saying. Like, oh yeah, this yeah. is. Yeah, it's like not a novel idea for people to pool resources and pool help. What's novel is that they're not blood relatives.
0: Right. And I, I wonder if people would react to this story differently if it was four dudes. Oh, probably. Like four recently divorced guys who are like, hey, I have an idea. You know, um, like, like the TV show Friends, but with yes. kids and with like somebody else. You know, right. or, or like the Ghostbusters. Yes, you know, and but, it, but or like
1: Full Full House if it had more kids.
0: Right, if if Uncle Jesse and Uncle Joey had kids, but you know, Uncle Jesse had illegitimate kids out there. He was a good-looking rock star type guy, doing right. the scene all the time. Don't don't think mm-hmm. there aren't little little jessies running about jessies
1: that's right i won't even and also just one more pop culture reference this one's not timely at all but do you remember the show kate and ally yes
0: with jane Curtin. See, they
1: yes and susan st james um what's the average age of our listener 65 if so they'll remember <laughs> but um they were two women doing it for themselves who were both Divorced. Was one a widower? I can't remember. But they moved in together to raise their children together. And they made it work. They made it work. Upworthy Upworthy Weekly.
0: Weekly. People are sharing the, quote, one simple rule that would fix the world if people actually followed it. A Reddit user who goes by the name... <laughs> came to this realization and <laughs> asked the Ask Reddit sub forum, "What simple rule would fix the world if everyone actually followed it?" And I, I saw this and I thought it was a, a wonderful Reddit thread, so I did an upworthy story on it because I thought it was very upworthy. Um, and it's kind of about the idea that we all have these basic kind of you know things I learned in kindergarten types of morality, whether it's about sharing and how to treat people and the golden rule. And so many of us fall short of perfection and just these basic things that if people actually just did them, uh, then we'd be in a much better place. You know, we'd have honest people running the world versus, you know, the creeps and cretins we got these days. But some people, they shared these different kind of rules the people could follow. And one of them was simple, the non-aggression principle. You don't do initiate or threat any harm unto others unless acting in true self-defense. Pretty, pretty good. Another one is leave it better than you found it. No matter what, Mm. if it's your job, if it's a social situation, if it's the park after a picnic, leave every situation better. Um, by either bringing your good vibes or by taking responsibility. Um, another one I really liked, and this—you're gonna have to get get in the zone with me here, Allison. You have to feel. How
1: do I do it?
0: Feel your inner Zen here. All right. Okay. You're you're.
1: I just took. Okay, I'm gonna get in the Todd zone. I just took a shower. I'm naked. This is. This sounds like it's going the wrong direction. <laughs> Stay with me, people. <clears throat> I'm b- about to meditate on the bath mat. Okay.
0: You're taking. You're t-
1: I'm in my. Go ahead. I have tortoises.
0: You're taking a deep breath through the nose, and out the mouth. One more deep breath into the nose, out through the mouth. You're in a bookstore in Santa Monica. You walked into the store and you have a tote bag with a picture of Gandhi on it. (laughs) So now you you have to concentrate on this phrase, this old Zen proverb, and that is, quote, let go or be dragged. Let go or be dragged.
1: Why am I hanging onto the back of this truck anyway?
0: gong sound effect that brings you out of it. Oh, yes. So I was just thinking, like, wow, how true is that with all the things that we are attached to, whether it's people, whether it's ideologies, uh, whether it's just, you know, especially other people's drama, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can, can, like, how much stuff are we hanging on to that's just dragging us through the muck emotionally, mentally, physically, that if we just simply let go, which obviously is much harder than, harder, it's easy to say, but if we just let go of them, uh, how much better would our lives be?
1: Katie Schwartz and, no, excuse me, Tom Schwartz and Katie Maloney of Vanderpump Rules just broke up. That is dragging me.
0: You're getting dragged by that? Were they dragging each other?
1: I mean, I don't know. They were married for years, and now they have divorced. It's all over Instagram. I can't stop thinking about it. You're right. I'm a I'm addicted to their drama. How
0: has this affected
1: Jax? Oh! Look at that! I am shocked that you know who Jax is.
0: Well, I do occasionally walk into my own bedroom just to like get, you know, a towel or some socks or some shoes, and my wife is sitting there with a big Massive Costco sized box of Cheez Its watching this and I hear the name Jax in the background and I, I'm thinking, I'm feeling all right now. I'm getting into Ty- Tyler Henry mode. I'm feeling I'm hearing there's a girl with the her name starts with an S and she starts a lot of Sheena trouble.
1: Sheena. Well you're now clearly you're a few seasons behind because Jax is no longer on the show. He got he got the boot. Um but he definitely is gonna have opinions about their breakup. Okay.
0: And so I was thinking like a simple rule that would change the world is if people didn't assume the worst in other people.
1: Yes, that's a really good one.
0: I think that lots of times we look at people and their actions and we have two ways of looking at it. You know, it's like, say, let's say you saw an unhoused person walking down the street. You could either A, go, look at that bum, he's lazy, right? Or B, go he probably has a mental illness, right? And you're probably going to be more right on the mental illness nine times out of 10, right? Mm -hmm. But it's the way people, there's a self-serving way that people want to look at reality, and that's by judging the worst from people. It's like, I don't know, like when you have a comedian makes a joke, it offends people, and they go, oh, he's bigoted. You're like, maybe he was Mm -hmm. making a joke, and he just said it wrong or wasn't a good joke or whatever, right? But- Or you have like a Colin Kaepernick, and he sits down to protest social justice, but people decide to see the worst in him and say he's not patriotic. So it's all this self-serving stuff that we do, and I know I do it too lots of times, um, because we all get something out of judging people that way. But I just thought that if the whole world looked at everything that way, we'd find much more common ground, agree on much more things. Uh, The idiots of the world, we'd cast them out, because we wouldn't need them anymore, you know, and I think the world would be a better place. We'd heal the world, is Lionel Richie once sang.
1: So wait. The one rule is that we are seeing the best in others, or that we're casting the idiots out, or are we having two rules?
0: Okay, no, no, we're we're I, we're we're gonna stop assuming the worst, which creates division. Okay. And then you have yes. you have the leaders that then come in and they take advantage of this division and stoke I it. So these people would yeah. no longer be able to, you know, grift.
1: Right. Cause we are inviolate because we have stopped seeing the worst in each other.
0: That's right. We've we've moved towards how can I understand you better?
1: I like it. I'm I'm back in that bookstore with my tote bag suddenly.
0: <laughs> Allison? Yes. Uh, do you have one... Don't you want to know how I would cure the that's world? A, that's what I was going to say, which is taking me a second. You were oh, yeah. assuming the worst in me, and <laughs> that I was going to move on without giving you your shot at changing the world.
1: I did. I'm sorry. You're right. Well, okay. I'm. A, I, it's hard for me to choose just one way to cure the world. I think my first one... And it's funny because this was in the image that you chose to go with the story. Um, but I this was what popped into my mind before I saw the image. Um, no cheating. Because I feel like everyone could be well-behaved and wait their turn and fair and kind. But then one person cheats takes more than is theirs cuts to the front of the line blah blah, blah, whatever whatever however you want to interpret cheat and then other people feel that in order for them to get their quote unquote fair share they have to also Mm. push other people out of the way they have to also cheat like I feel like we all deep down Don't think that cheating is okay, but we all justify it by, well, but I have to because the other person, that other person is doing that, Mm. and basically, this to me is leads. It's corruption is kind of what I'm talking about. Like I think, I think everything human eventually becomes corrupt.
0: Mm.
1: That's like human humans just like there's so many wonderful things about humans, but also. Corruption just creeps in to everything that we're involved in. Yeah, p- I'm being poisonous. a little dramatic, yeah. but but there's a lot of corruption, especially in in politics and groups and things like that. Money, all that stuff. So I would love to see I would love to see us without corruption. Um, so maybe no cheating would be a, a rule. But then also, can we like? But then I think, what if the rule was just you must be kind, because that might accomplish more.
0: Yeah, but I think then we're getting too generic. But, well, I guess so. I mean, obviously, if you're being kind, you're not cheating. You're not cutting to the front of the line. You're not trying to steal anybody's stuff. Uh, I like that. I can get with that. Just be kind.
1: Yeah.
0: It feels a little simplistic.
1: Upworthy Upworthy Weekly.
0: Weekly.
1: Here's a story by Annie Renault. Parents, please start talking to your kids about periods as early as humanly possible. And this ran on Thursday. And we talk a lot about how great Annie Renault is. I didn't realize she has uh, older children. And I also didn't realize that I... Uh, respect her parenting decisions and i want her to be my mom and i want her to raise my children (laughs) um so anyway she have you seen or are you familiar with that pixar movie turning red
0: i've heard a lot of people speaking about it this week uh i read i i heard about it because i read this article which was really well written by annie by the way
1: yes yes so it is Somewhat controversial. I didn't realize that there was this controversy around it. Um, we started watching it. It's very funny. Uh, and we didn't, I have a five-year-old, so we didn't finish watching it because he doesn't have an attention span that is as long as the movie. But I thought it was very funny The uh, for what we watched about it, the length of it that we saw. And I would like to see the rest of it. But anyway, um, it's controversial because it uh, deals with, a girl. It has talk of a girl getting her period. I don't think she actually even gets her period, but but she, this girl, when she's overcome with emotion, she turns into a panda. And oh, uh, her mom thinks that she's getting her period. I don't think she actually even gets her period in the movie, but so there's discussion of menstruation and stuff like that. But so anyway, people are are freaking out about it, feeling like it's um, you know this is inappropriate content for kids. Blah 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 blah. Um, so Annie makes the point that uh, menstruation is a basic bodily function that affects half the population, and we should start discussing it as young as possible when kids are asking questions before they're embarrassed. So I'm going to read um, a bit of what she wrote because it was very eloquent. She said, I'm a fan of letting parents parent. None of us has a manual for this stuff, and it's hard to know if you're making the right choices for your kids. Different families have different priorities, values, and beliefs, and I think there are a million ways to raise conscientious, contributing humans. I'm also a fan of choosing age-appropriate content for kids when it comes to things that they're not ready to process yet. Periods, however, are an entirely different story. I genuinely don't understand why anyone would take issue with any child of any age learning about menstruation situation it's a basic bodily function of half the population kids start learning about basic bodily functions as soon as they are old enough to ask questions and there's nothing about having a period that necessitates holding off on the basics until they're a certain age or maturity level and then she gives an example of how she would have this conversation with her kids Um, and and her she has two I think she has two older girls and then she has her son is the youngest so this is sort of an example of uh, how she the, the like talking points that she would use with her son and this was helpful for me because I haven't had this conversation yet um, with my son so she would say something like Every month, a woman's body practices getting ready to grow a baby. She has organs called ovaries that push out an egg and her uterus makes a nice cushy home for it by building up a lining of blood. After a couple of weeks, her body lets go of the egg and dismantles the home, which then comes out of her vagina. The bleeding isn't from an injury and it doesn't hurt. It just drips out for a few days. So women wear pads, tampons, cups, etc., to catch it so the blood doesn't get all over her clothes. And she talks about how like, no, periods aren't, fun and they're not fantastic but it's a part of life that you know half of the world deals with we need to take the shame away from it and also this movie deals with 13 year old girls but there's plenty of girls who start getting their periods way younger than 13 so let's not be holding off on these conversations
0: allison i'm glad i chose yeah. you to take this story and not me I'd <laughs> <That's> same <laughs> Although it would have been funny to see me awkwardly make that point, yeah. uh, my question is: this is a legitimate question. How does that diva cup thing work? Because it, it, I like it. I don't know how it connects or how it sits in underwear or what the deal is, mm-hmm. but it it se- seems uncomfortable. Yeah, and I look at it, and I go. I- no idea. Like, literally, if, okay. if you if you you gave me one and there was like a, a model, like, you know, like, uh-huh. a, I don't know, like something you perform CPR on, and then you said, make it, wear it, I, I would have no concept of how it works.
1: Right. Does this model have lady parts? Yes. Okay, good. Because otherwise you're going to really have a tough time knowing where to put that cup. Um, okay, so here's the deal. I own one of these cups. I have never successfully worn one because they uh, became popular after I had been using tampons for many years. And I just, I think that like whatever you're kind of, I know plenty of women my age though, who swear by them and who are like, you got to use a cup. It may, it's like a million times better. Once you start using a cup, you will, you will, be like where was this your whole life and I have really tried and then I'm like I'm just too old to switch but so anyway it just basically sits in the same place a tampon sits and it wait I have to ask you a question has your wife used one do you know
0: I don't I don't see anything in the bathroom because I assume this is something you reuse
1: yes like it's a one-stop shop
0: on the diva cup
1: yeah so well okay so diva cup that's one of the brands but there's many different kinds of cups so anyway, it's like a little um flexible cup thing, and you there's various folds that have different names, but you you fold it in an origami fashion to make it smaller, and then you put it up there oh. in the same place a tampon would go, so in your vagina mm. it sits right under the cervix, basically, and then you with the cup, you gotta like twist it in a way so that it opens Mm. there's a lot of hands inside yourself but you need to be comfortable with that and then it just sits there and catches your period okay and apparently you can leave it in for a really long time like much longer than a tampon and then uh when you're ready to change women recommend changing it in the shower because it can be a bit messy Mm. rinse it out and then boop back it goes well, thank
0: you, Allison. I took really <laughs> good notes on that. And yeah. uh, tonight, when my wife and I go out to dinner, I'm going to... Tell her about it. You know, after a couple glasses of wine, I'd be like, you hear about this thing called the Diva Cup?
1: Yeah. Can I tell you a funny story? Please. Uh, so, in the pandemic, and still, we we mostly just have our groceries delivered. So, Elliot loves to... When the groceries come, he loves to take the groceries out of the bag and oh carrots and put on the counter and da da da. So anyway, <clears throat> he lifted a box of he lifted a box of something out of the bag and he goes, Look, mommy, tampons for your butt. <laughs> Close. Thank you. Uh, Close. <laughs> you are in the neighborhood.
0: <laughs> That's right. Upworthy, Upworthy Weekly. 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 Starbucks plans to phase out its iconic cup. Some more cup talk, what? by the way. <laughs> and then after this, we're going to do this whole I'm I'm writing a piece instead of Annie and it's going to be called In Praise of the Jockstrap. And uh Ooh. like at what yeah. age do you start talking to kids about the necessity to wear a cup? And right. uh, I'm going to talk about my experiences wearing a cup. Mhm. S- good, good. Starbucks plans to phase out its iconic cup, calling it "quote a symbol of throwaway culture." So basically, the plan is to take the you know the single use you know Starbucks cup and uh, get rid of it in favor of uh, having people use reusable mugs that they bring or shareable mugs, where like somebody leaves one at the store and then you pick it up, and basically it's going to cut down on a whole bunch of waste and i think this is obviously a great idea i think at first some people are going to think oh that seems wildly inconvenient but it's like in california uh, everybody said that people bringing their own grocery bags into the store was going to be a total inconvenience and it'll never work and it'll never catch on and after like 2 months you know you just get get used to it you you bring your bags you leave someone in the car and you're not completely like You're not taking one bag and putting it in the dirt for 20,000 years, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So I thought it was, you know, I think it's a pretty good idea. And I thought, well, would it be weird to have the reusable cup that that I bring back in that maybe somebody else used? But then I thought, isn't that what happens at a restaurant? Like you drink out a wine glass, they wash it, and they give it back to you. So I don't know. This seemed like a really cool way for us to be a little bit better at protecting the environment.
1: Sorry, what year did they say they're going to do this by?
0: Uh, By the end of 2022, they plan to allow customers to use their own reusable mugs, too.
1: Why don't they just look, I appreciate what they're doing, so I don't mean to have something negative to say, but why don't they just allow customers to use their own reusable mugs now?
0: I think there was some kind of problem with people bringing in their germy mugs during COVID. Like they—that makes sense. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. It's kind of a little weird. Um, but I, I okay. So is this weird? I went to Starbucks today, and I bought myself a Pike roast. Even though yes. I had Pike roast at home, and my wife had brewed some in the morning, but it just doesn't quite taste the same.
1: What is that? I don't know. I know exactly what you mean, because whenever you read those things that are like, here's how to be a millionaire by, you know, next week, stop spending $4 on coffee. And then now I feel like there's a real backlash against those things that are like, you know, it has to do with, you know, the other, you know, generations ahead of us stealing all of our money and not selling their houses. It doesn't have to do with the coffee we're buying, but whatever, you know, all those articles that are like, start making your coffee at home. It never tastes the same. No, it's like- Why is that?
0: I don't- It's like a McDonald's Cokes. Yeah. There's something about that there's... extra round straw, and it's like the ice. Right. I, don't, I don't know what they put in the ice, but there's something <laughs> amazing about the ice, and just like the, the ratio of everything that you just can't do yeah. that at home with your own Coke. You know? It's like Mm-mm. it's like that terrible thing I do to my son, where he's like, I want chicken nuggets, and I go, great. And I grab the Foster's Farms- out of the yes. out of the freezer, and he's like, "eh, it's not the same," you know, right? But maybe it's also right. like leaving the house and going in and seeing mm-hmm. the cute girl with the dyed platinum blonde hair that works there, and uh, and get getting my coffee and that that whole process, you know, getting in the car, putting on a little talk radio, you know. So maybe, maybe I do you flirt? Do you flirt with this lady? No, no, no
1: because Daniel had what I referred to as his Starbucks wife. So there's uh and by the way, is this a commercial for Starbucks? There's like a special, I don't know if it still exists, but there it there there's like a special high-end Starbucks, I don't know what it's called. It's like special Starbucks where they it's like artisanal Starbucks. I don't know what they do differently.
0: It's $9 a coffee. <laughs>
1: I want to say it's like Starbucks black or something, but it's not that it's I don't know what it is. But there was in our old neighborhood, there was one of these even more ridiculously expensive Starbucks where all the servers wore hats. That was their thing. And there was this one woman there that I called Daniel's Starbucks wife. And he knew so much about her. And I was like, what is going on here? And I think she was an artist and they had talked about art. I don't know. In another lifetime, or maybe this one, they have a family together.
0: Have you ever gone in there and then talked to her and then walked out and go, she's not that interesting?
1: Yes. <laughs> Once. Yes. And I can't remember. I feel like something might have, I feel like I might have broken them up and I don't think I felt bad about it.
0: Oh, really? Oh, you
1: now, now, and yeah, I mean, I, but I didn't do it on purpose. I I'll have to ask him to see if he remembers
0: the, sh- I, she's like, "Where's Daniel picking up the coffee?" And you're like, "He has this gross thing on his butt." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah,
1: yeah. He's having his his fissures and his piles removed.
0: His neurofibromatosis <laughs> is flaring up again.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's very contagious. Upworthy up- Weekly. weekly. <laughs> It's time to rate your week. Have something great happen this week that you just have to share
0: with the world? Tell us about it by emailing us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com. Allison, on a a scale of one through five, one being just god-awful to five being transplendent, would you rate your week, please?
1: Yeah, I'm going to give this week... a 3.5 it was just it was fine it was i feel like i'm being stingy with my weeks i feel like i'm gonna be on my deathbed looking back and i'm gonna be like i gave every week a 3.5 but then i don't know what it's gonna take to make something a four um but yeah no i'm gonna give it a 3.75 look out it just got it just got elevated to a 3.75. Didn't know that
0: was an option. Yeah, it was like Is it an option? Well, I do it's like it Ebert option. going, eh, half. Like thumb sideways. And you're like, wait a minute, this has been twenty years, Ebert, of you give me an up or down, and now you're giving me a sideways. You know, get off the fence.
1: I give it a four. Okay. I give it a four. I feel like I had a decent week. It was pretty good good shows I wrote my I did my newsletter again you know my with my what is it that we put on the plaque and the park bench if there's something you do I think maybe you should do it or something like that
0: yeah Yeah, something like that yeah
1: yeah something like real non-committal like that you know it was just it was fine nothing to you know there, there's nothing I can point to but it just felt like a four so I'm gonna give it a four
0: are you a better person than you were last week
1: I don't think I am, uh, because something I would like to be is less reactive. I don't think I'm a particularly, in general, I don't think I'm like super reactive, but today, um, our, so our babysitter is sick today and both my husband and I have pretty heavy work days today. So, um, When she texted me and said she wasn't going to be able to come in, it caused both me and Daniel to be like, oh, shit. And I got really like nervous. And then I just feel like I didn't handle it nearly with Daniel. I didn't handle it nearly as well as I should have. And I should have just taken it sort of like when I was in the bookstore with you earlier. Take it, you know, breathe in, breathe out thinking about the tote bag I should have taken a deep breath put our heads together figure out what we're gonna do instead of kind of like flying off the handle and being not particularly nice to him so I didn't think that I handled that well hence I don't think I'm a better I don't think I'm a better person okay the end okay and Todd if you were to rate your week one being just horrendous five being splendiferous where, you, where
0: are you going to put it? I'm going to go 2.5 because I had some big ups oh, wow. and some real failures this week. Um, I say, and I'll i start with the failure. Uh, yeah. As you know, it was uh, St. Patrick's Day this week. Mm-hmm. And so my wife uh, invited over her father and her sister and her sister's kids. And they are all very into their Irish heritage. They're like your other co-host, uh, Greg Fitzsimmons. Th- yes. they're, they're into their Irishness, right? And so I was like, I'm going to cook a corned beef. And it can't be that hard to cook a corned beef. I mean, you know, Irish people could do it, so it can't be that tough. And <laughs> so, you know, I got my, my crock pot thingy and I, I put the corned beef in there and I boiled it. And then it turned out hard as a rock. Oh no! Like this was you this was something it. people would like smash a window with, you know, in, in a mm-hmm. protest. And I was I was just humiliated because the whole meal that everyone was looking forward to, and they're playing that Irish music in the background, yeah, yeah, that stuff with the fiddle and the, yeah, 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 And they took our potatoes and all that, and uh, <laughs> and and now it's are you're not Irish? I take it. I I mostly of English descent, I guess so. Why didn't one of the Irish people cook it? Because I, I cook everything, and then uh, okay. I'm like, so "You're the chef. I can do this." So anyway, I, I completely screwed it up. That and it was the second time that I've actually screwed up a corned beef. Both times I've failed, and <laughs> I kicked myself for weeks. So like I can't boil meat. I don't know what's going on here. So you know. So that's you know if. If someone said, you know, Allison, what is the main difference between working with Todd Perry or Greg Fitzsimmons, you know? Obviously, Greg is a world-famous comedian, and no one knows who I am. But, you know, I would say that Greg probably can cook a mean corned beef.
1: I mean, I don't know if he can or not, but it sounds like you can't.
0: No, I can't. And that much we know. No. But...
1: Third time could be a charm if you don't psych
0: yourself out. I know. Now, I just can't approach it. Like, I'm like, eh, eh, I'm just, yeah. like, the moment I touch the corn, like, I get the blarney stone and right. get ready to put, I, I can't do it. So my father-in-law yeah. ended up having to buy us takeout.
1: <laughs> what did you get for takeout? Oh, uh, we
0: got some shepherd's pie from the pub on the corner. That sounds,
1: I mean, that sounds good.
0: But then on the good side of my week, I I felt invigorated because I watched this HBO six-hour documentary, The Andy Warhol Diaries. Oh, nice. About Andy Warhol. And when I was like 20, I read like the abridged version of his diaries. I remember r- really liking it. And then this was like one of the – it was a fantastic documentary that it, it was kind of narrated by him, but like a fake him, which was done through C, like a CG voice thing, which is weird, but it sounded good. And it was basically mm-hmm. just telling his whole story kind of in the 70s and 80s, as opposed to, like, the pop art, you know, early stuff he did and what he was kind of known for the factory. It was kind of the him trying to get back his, you know, kind of integrity as an artist and all this. But it was really well done, and it went through a lot of great, interesting things like the AIDS crisis and how he lived through that. And also, there was just a lot of great art in it and a lot of great artists and, you know, everybody talking deeply about the importance at the time of different art movements. And and it was one of those things where like you get something in your brain, you're like, oh, you know, creative inspiration. So I I really enjoyed that.
1: There's no place in the show for this. I just want to run this by you as a fellow married person. Uh, Daniel and I are in a bit of a marital standoff because we both pick up our prescriptions from Walgreens I have moved mine we have a drive-through pharmacy now uh I've moved mine from the pharmacy that that I didn't like to now because he's all about like Walgreens it's so easy you just drive through so now we both have prescriptions that are ready to be picked up and so it's the question is is he gonna go pick up his and mine or am I gonna go pick up mine and his and so it's just, we're both waiting to see who's going to do it.
0: Ooh, this could be a, a, a real problem because eventually without your meds, you know, you could be running stark naked, screaming, bloody murder down yeah. the street. I know. You know? I know. And and who knows what's going to happen? I don't know. And Daniel could just start, I don't know, turning into a wolf man or something if he doesn't have his meds. And That's right. it could be the death of both of you just over something really sad like pride or laziness you could be like so lazy that
1: for me yeah because i said to him, see i played it all wrong cuz i casually said to him i have a couple prescriptions at walgreens that are ready and he said oh great could you pick up mine and then i was like oh mm. and i said oh no that's not that's not what i meant what i meant is are you planning on going to walgreens and then i'm like here we go and then the bad thing he said maybe this weekend
0: and then the bad thing is you go in to get yours and you're like oh i gotta get daniel's and then they do the oh it's not ready yet could you wait 15 minutes and then you're sitting in the magazine aisle look you know just thumbing through 17 or whatever the kids are reading these days
1: 17 that's what i read yeah yeah i know um by the way i'm aware these are not real problems But they're my problems. Upworthy Upworthy Weekly. Weekly. Teachers share embarrassing reasons why they were forced to call a student's parent uh, or parents. And so this is uh, a Redditor asked, you know, teachers, what are some embarrassing reasons that you had to call a student's parents? Um, And then teachers wrote in that here's one. It wasn't embarrassing. It was funny. But in response to the question, what comes in pairs? uh a a a woman's son with total sincerity and enthusiasm said testicles <laughs> um i mean that's uh that's intelligent
0: i don't know if you need to call home on that one it's a just a medical yeah. fact
1: right uh <laughs> so my kids I think I've mentioned that we go to Desconso Gardens, which is this like botanical gardens. And at the gift shop around Halloween, they had these finger puppets that were tentacles. <laughs> and Elliot kept referring to it as his testicle. Where's my testicle? Mommy, look at my testicle. That went on for a long time. He kept thinking it was his testicle. Um, Okay. And then another teacher said, I had to call a single dad to inform him that his six-year-old son perfectly described an explicit porn scene to his friends. This was before internet porn, so the kid must have found daddy's special movies. Oh, Yeah.
0: Oof. And-
1: uh, I had to explain to a six-year-old's parents that I wouldn't be wiping his uh, bum for This is not the word that she used, but I'll say it. His bum for him. They seemed surprised that a six-year-old would have to wipe himself oh. that being said i have very vivid memories of still needing my mom to help wipe me not when i was at school but like and my son still needs the wiping still needs help wiping
0: does your son no he's good i mean every once in a while he'll have a, a lapse you know well he'll need a little help yeah he'll... you'll 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 find out that he needed help yeah well, i'll go hmm Smelling a little ripe there, kid. Did you uh? Did you remember? Oh no, gotta wipe the booty. And then uh, why don't you go in the bathroom real quick? We'll we'll pause, you know, Paw Patrol, and why don't you handle that? So,
1: right. And he's five. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Because uh, Elliot is starting kindergarten in September or August or whenever. We don't know when the first day is yet, but. He's got to be self-sufficient by then. Oh, yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, Oh, here's a fun one. Just today I had to phone parents because their kid refuses to use the toilet at school. And today, during recess, 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 this kid pulled his snow pants down and proceeded to (gasps) take the fattest poop on the snow-covered playground. I'll never forget today. (laughs) Uh, And then here's lastly... No, this is second to lastly. Here's a fun one. I'll never forget when my kid's preschool teacher texted me to tell me that he had said a bad word in class. Thankfully, she was more entertained than mad. Apparently, she put the children's lunchbox in a different spot than usual. My then three-year-old went to grab his lunchbox from his cubby, and when it wasn't there, he went to the teacher and said, Ms. Megan, what the f***? <laughs> oh, it's good. Uh Here's a fun one. My wife was about 30 seconds away from calling not just the kids' parents, but also child welfare because she thought a kid wanted to be the, quote, park whore when they grew up. Turns out they wanted to do parkour.
0: Oh, jeez.
1: That's a fun one. Were you? Were, did, were there embarrassing reasons that your parents were called?
0: Yes, yes. Um, this is when I was at Y Camp, when I was, I don't know, maybe seventh grade sixth seventh grade and we went on an overnight trip and you know as we've talked before like i i have a an allergy to cats so we were outside camping i think we had gone to like magic mountain during the day and then we went up to like a lake and then you know we drive back the next morning and uh i was sitting there with my two buds chuck i think the kid's name was eric And this cat just kept walking through our little campground that we had set up. And now Chuck had some problems with, like, lip dryness. Maybe he got sunburnt or something. So he had a very large uh, can of Vaseline. Mm. So I said, hey, Chuck, you should put Vaseline on that cat, and maybe it'll stop running around our campground.
1: Oh, this is not going to help... Your case with the people who think you dislike cats. So,
0: the other third kid, Eric, gooped it and then rubbed it on the cat's back. Now, this is all terrible thing to do. We were like, we were young and stupid, and so then... I don't
1: like this at all!
0: So then the cat wandered its way around the campground and the camp director, Melanie, sees a cat with Vaseline on its back, we're all over, and then starts walking by from place to place going, who put Vaseline on the cat? And, uh, they found that Chuck had a very large canister of Vaseline and... It was like, it was Chuck's Vaseline, Todd's idea, but Eric did it. But somehow it became, somehow it became like, Todd did it. Yeah. And so then Melanie, the camp director, told the main director of the Y, Jennifer, who happened to be my sister's best friend. And so Jennifer said, Todd Perry is rubbing cats down with Vaseline like, you know, he's... Oh, and now it's cats? Cat. No, I know. Yeah. well, cat. But it, it became that I did it, which it was not me. Um, right. And so then my sister found out. And my s- you, but
1: you were the architect of the plan.
0: Yeah. I was... Everyone was doing my bidding. And, <laughs> and so then my sister tells my parents... Todd got in trouble at the Y for putting Vaseline on a cat, <laughs> which makes me sound like I'm some kind of, you know, deranged lunatic that should be locked up. But really, it was it just doesn't m- sound good. more of a joke. So, yes. yeah. Oh, he- ha-ha, Todd. So, yeah. the, <laughs> And then the, the camp director was like, Todd, you know what? This cat could die because the cat could lick the Vaseline and it would get on its tongue. And then I'm like... I- I don't think that's going to kill it. but, And, yeah, so it was a whole thing. And then I was forever known as the kid who Vaseline'd a cat. And it was more fiction than truth. But the world wanted to believe that of me because they were assuming the worst.
1: I was going to say, now I know why it's so personal to you that people don't assume the worst. Let's talk about the cat for a minute. How did it? Re- was it okay? How did it react? Was it like trying to get it off?
0: No, it just walked on by. Like it was just, it was just like a little gooping. Did? Like I don't know about. Okay. I'd say two tablespoons, down the down the spine,
1: you know. And- Maybe it liked it. Maybe it was like, um, like a, um, a rockabilly cat.
0: <laughs> it was a rocka silly cat. Yeah, it was like. Yeah, a
1: a stray cat like the band—it was into the band.
0: I'm gonna go put on my rocket from the Crypt album and enjoy my new (laughs) do.
1: (laughs) Allison, did you ever have your parents called for something that you did? No, I'm trying to think if I ever did. Um, No, I was like a real nerd, so I didn't. I didn't do anything cool or fun. Um, The one thing I did. Oh, wait a minute. But they—they they know the I, the two times I got in trouble, neither of them for like embarrassing things really, and my parents weren't called either time. Um, in eighth grade, uh, the cool girls decided it was like the last week of school, so the cool girls decided to cut up our uniforms because the last week of school we got to have what they call free dress, was we got to wear civilian clothes so we like cut up our uniforms the cool girls and me like their nerdy mascot Um, but then we got in trouble for it and I remember the coolest like most popular meanest boy in class saw the cool girls and me standing there like kind of getting in trouble for it and he's like (laughs) <laughs> that's the funniest one <laughs> oh. like pointing like the fact oh. of like me trying trying to be cool getting in trouble with them so that was fun oh. and then um, and I can't remember what our like punishment was though was it that we had to wear these uniforms that were cut up I can't remember and then in high school you had to eat lunch on campus if you're a freshman or sophomore and if you were if you were a junior or senior you could go off campus for lunch but the cool sophomores would sneak off campus. So I had a friend who was a junior. So we made a plan, and she and I were going to go off campus. But being not cool enough to pull it off, I got busted. Ugh. So then I got detention, but my parents weren't called or anything. So Ugh. nothing cool like harming an animal. <laughs>
0: So you never had the desire to put a petroleum product on a on a feline.
1: I never did. No.
0: I, you know, I'll tell you. I I used to work at the YMCA daycare when I was in college, before my tenure at Sears. And uh, one summer, we had this kid, and he was like going into kindergarten, and like for like four days in a row, he pooped his pants.
1: Oh, boy. So we had to
0: keep taking him to the bathroom and, like, cleaning him up. And we had to call his mom, like, every day. Like, dude, the kid pooped his pants again. And they were thinking about maybe kicking him out of the program because it's like, I'm making five bucks an hour. I'm not dealing with this. And then the mom comes uh comes to the, the camp one day to pick him up and goes, look, we're having a problem at home, too. And I said, well, what happened? He says, he saw the VHS cover for that movie Ghoulies. <laughs> There's like a, a like a critter with sharp teeth coming out of the toilet, so he gee oh he, he's he afraid. He thinks a ghoulie's gonna get up his butt if he sits on the toilet, so he was avoiding. He was going pee, but he wasn't going poo because of the ghoulies in the drain. So whenever I'd see that VHS thing that that movie, and I would just think about, oh yeah, there was a kid who was afraid of getting a ghoulie up his butt, so he had to. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. So whatever you do with your kids, don't show them the ghoulie thing if you don't want to have a do not massive regression.
1: Yeah. So I'd like it's to th- just good parenting.
0: I'd like to thank everybody for listening to Upworthy Weekly. And one of the best things you could do to help us out So we thought before this week. Uh one of the best things you could do to help us out is to leave a review, especially on iTunes.
1: Yes. They call it Apple Podcasts now. Um but we think of it as iTunes because we know of the show Kate and Alley. Listen, I we have a new one, and I would like to read it, Todd. This person has uh, up to, has had up to here with you. Oh. Okay, cat lover? <sighs> no. Todd Perry doesn't know how to dot, dot, dot. Now, I assume there is a full title here, but I'm viewing it on my phone, so I don't know what it says. I mean, that could be a whole topic.
0: Todd Perry doesn't know how to. We could just go down a list of things that uh, cook corned beef. One thing I cannot do is (laughs) cook corned beef.
1: (laughs) vehemently and New Zealand. Todd says he never heard the word vehemently spoken. Okay, that is a lie. Then recently he said New Zealand for New Zealand. If he says he has never heard New Zealand spoken, I swear to God, I swear to God, I don't know what I will do. Today he said something was sarky. He claims the word is sarky, not snarky. Really? Always think Allison will stop the show and throttle him. I mean, really throttle him. I mean, a bloody corpse. He can't form a sentence. But that is his job. Jesus. He had to Three stars. Now, uh, again, allow me to remind everyone. Maybe I've never said it on this show. I, I, I've said it on uh, Allison Rosen's New Best Friend. We love all reviews. All kinds of reviews. Not that one. But... I like it. You like that one. I like. I like it. I like it. Uh, help out. We love a. We love a. We love a five star. Especially if you got something negative to say, but you love the show. Even if you have something negative to say, how about a five star with your negative? But you know, vote. Vote with your conscience.
0: You know, I just it's it's really hurtful to me that the guy would come after that. Because first of all, I said New Zealand because it was a joke. Because as a joke, as a joke, because people say. I'm from New Zealand. I don't know what they're I'm from New Zealand. I don't know. However the, the people from that part of the world speak, uh, they yeah. say New Zealand. You, you see uh, Peter Jackson talking? New Zealand, right? From New Zealand. Uh, I yes, I hear it. I don't know why this guy in a review had to make reference to two-thirds of the Holy Trinity, God and Jesus. He, oh, I mean, if you would have brought the Holy Ghost into the inner review, then I, I wouldn't have known what to do. It would be the ultimate cursing. But I still stand by Sarky. And you know what? There's a whole lot more mispronunciation where that came from. You're standing by Sarky? Yeah, I'm still standing by it. Yeah. Okay. Sarky person, kind of sarcastic, but in a lightweight, kind of fun way. I respect that. I'd like to thank everybody for listening and Allison for hanging out with me. And we will be back next week with more Upworthy Weekly upworthy weekly was produced by todd perry follow upworthy on all socials at upworthy allison is on twitter at allison rosen and todd at todd a perry that's todd with
1: one d questions comments or to tell us about your amazing week
0: email us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com i'm marley Balin. have a great week
1: Why am I hanging onto the back of this truck anyway?